What's up, everyone? This is Brian Ward, host of the Data Podcast, the podcast show for dads, about dads, being dads. I'm super excited that you're here and for the guests that I have on the show today. But before we get to the interview, if you have not yet subscribed to my show, please make sure you smash that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. Also, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel as well. The link is in the show notes. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to another episode of Dad Up, everyone. Thank you guys very much for joining me. I have my good friend, Nick Alligood, had has joined me on the show. He and I have got a chance to connect over social media. He's got a lot of things going on in his life. Not only is he a, a, a new husband, but he's also a new dad. I'm really excited for him to share his experiences being a brand new dad. But also, he's a musician, and uh, he's got some great music coming out uh, that I want you guys to uh, check out. But I'm really excited to have Nick on the show. Welcome to the show, brother. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited for it. Awesome. Um, I've been looking forward to this. And uh, I know you and I have kind of connected uh, over the last, I don't know, month or two, uh, gotten a chance to know each other a little bit. But for my listeners who may not know who you are, let's kind of dive into the back backstory of Nick, um, kind of how okay. you grew up and then also how you got into music, um, kind of what inspired you to get into music. And then obviously this is a podcast about parenting, about dads. So uh, I want to know about your family as well. Yeah, for sure. Well, just feel free to stop me or interrupt me through through anything. I, You're all good. I feel like I can just kind of ramble on about this stuff. But um, yeah, so uh, my name is Nick Alligood. I claim Albany, Georgia is my hometown. Uh, my, my dad was in the military, so I grew up bouncing around back and forth the whole first probably 10 years of my life. Um, and then obviously moving into South Georgia from upstate New York, I was introduced to country music. And, uh, you know, I learned how to hunt there, fish there, ride dirt roads, do all your, uh, your cliche Southern boy type stuff. Um, uh, I went to college at Georgia Southwestern in America's Georgia. And, uh, briefly after that, I, um, I thought I found what I wanted to do, uh, for the rest of my life. I worked out at a power plant for energy operations company for, about two years or so. Uh, that's the industry my dad's in. I actually had the opportunity to work under my dad. Um, and I loved it, but I was still playing music and college bars and all that type of stuff and having a serious job working, you know, 50, 60 hours a week and then trying to go play bar gigs just wasn't really working for me. And I, I kind of realized that, um, Although I thought I was in that part of my life where I wanted to grow up and leave it all behind and whatnot, that I was I was going to miss it. So I just kind of took everything I learned over the past couple of years uh, and I gave it a shot and, and came home, told my parents I wanted to move up to Nashville and um, just I did it. You know, it was like I had some money that uh, that my grandmother had left me. Uh, that was to be used for a once in a lifetime opportunity or for my family. Um, in which case my mom gave me the thumbs up. I bought my first tour bus and trailer, went out on the road, did it. I toured the country for, it's from about 2015 until for about, about two years strong. Uh, I was probably playing 150 shows a year on the road, oh, wow. uh, opening it up for, uh, everybody from uh, Joe Nichols, Black Hawk, um, Big and Rich, uh, a couple other guys, but just doing the whole, you know, I would play a four-hour gig in North Dakota on a Thursday night for the bartender, and that's about it because it was, you know, snowing outside or or whatever, and just chase the dream down, man. And I guess in 2017. I got my first phone call um, that a song I had written was going to make it to Sirius XM the highway for another artist. Oh, cool. And um, that was the turning point in my career. And the reason that I, it's not just because that song went to radio. It, it's more than that to me because I was the closest I'd ever been to giving it all up. And, um, you know, one thing that a lot of people don't touch on in the music industry is, um, you know, I would allow you or my parents or whoever else 
the opportunity to see the things I wanted them to see on social media, the packed houses playing in front of 3,600 people or the 10,000 people at the North Dakota State Fair or, you know, drinking at the bar, what looked like seven nights a week or, you know, all those things. But, and that's why everybody's like, oh man, you're up in Nashville living it up. And I'd never been more depressed and miserable in my entire life. And it was by far my, my lowest moment. Um, so far as a human being, I'm 32 years old now. Um, I would say about 27. Um, and I remember calling back home and I was like, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. It's, it's too much on my mind, too much on my body. I lay in the bed for, you know, a week straight and never come out, never do anything. Cause I didn't have money. And it just was a lot. And so literally five days after I called my mom and, took, and was in tears, I got that phone call and said that you got a song going to, to national radio. And, um, that was a really cool thing for me. And not to mention it was, uh, with a, a good buddy of mine from South Georgia as well. And Dallas Davidson, who is a songwriting hero of mine actually owned publishing on the song. So it was a really cool thing. And, how it all worked out and, and got there was, was great. And it kind of kept me pushing on. And then from there, it went to taking time off the road because I wanted to focus on my songwriting. Cause that's where my success was coming. Um, I got a couple other cuts, a couple more, a couple more like little unsigned guys. And then uh, I got my first label hold and it just kind of kept spiraling. And then in 2020, um, yeah, I guess right at the, towards the end, uh, about two years ago now, um, I got a phone call during quarantine while I was up in Maine with my now wife, um, that I got my first billboard top 40, oh, which was, congratulations. thank you very much. And that was, I, I'll never forget it. I was on a run. I was out and he's like, stop where you're at right now and look around. I'm like, all right, what, you know, and, uh, it sat on there for 19 weeks, which was a big deal. Neither I wasn't signed, right. The artist wasn't signed. Um, just had a bunch of people that really believed in the song and that kind of took me to the next level. And all, all meanwhile, that's happening. You know, now the world's shut down. Previous to that, I, I played Broadway downtown Nashville full time, uh, as myself. And, um, when we got the call to come back to Nashville, I was all excited to keep writing and uh, it opened up a lot of doors for me. So I got some really cool rights, which turned into writing the number one song on John Daly's, uh, the professional golfers debut full length album um, with a Kenny Chesney, uh, Kenny Chesney, <laughs> Willie Nelson feature. Big um, difference. <laughs> yeah. Huge difference actually. Um, and uh, that that was really that was a cool moment, too. But, you know, that's when Blackout, which is my my downtown band, kind of came together and I met Reagan. We started playing shows and I'd never seen a reaction from the way that we from what we were doing, because I thought we were doing the same thing I was doing uh, previously. But we uh, added uh, one of our good friends, Dylan Gaska. Uh, to come play drums and we were kind of a power trio and uh, man, we were getting recognized in the streets and we we're just a cover band downtown. You know, people would be before COVID fully opened back up downtown Nashville, you might wait two and a half hours to get into Jason Aldean's mm -hmm. or wherever. And we would be walking by these, my, what seemed like mile long lines to come in and, you know, people were like, Oh, there's the blackout guys. Here's the blackout guys. We came back to Nashville to see you and da, da 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 da. And so it turned into this big thing. And next thing you know, we're a four piece band. We play over 300 shows a year. We're partnered with, we're the only band in Nashville history that plays Broadway full time that is officially partnered with Jack Daniels. Um, we uh, just added Bush light to that as well. Um, and yeah, man, I mean, we do. I'd say probably an additional 40 private events a year for, uh, for our company we work for. Uh, and all of our residencies are like Jason Aldean's, Luke Bryan's and Florida Georgia line. Um, and because of that, you know, things come in 
we've done events for the Predators. Uh, we've done events for the Titans. Uh, we just got rained out. We were about supposed to play the Nashville Soccer Club Stadium, which was going to be really, really cool. They just built that up. Um, but yeah, man, and all all meanwhile that that part's happening. I'm in the process of moving my my wife down. She's been here for about two years now. We did the long distance thing for year and a half. Mm. Um, you know, she she would either fly up or I would fly or I would fly up or she would fly down at least once every three weeks. Max was about there were a couple of times where we get in there, you know, we'd see each other two or three times in a month or might have to go longer than three weeks. But did that and um it the clothing line thing whiskey no rocks that that's another one of those things that just kind of came out of nowhere and i took over full ownership of it during uh quarantine and was packaging hats myself doing everything in the basement of my girlfriend's condo she was living in and um which has been a really big experience and now we're expanding nationwide we got into a couple storefronts um we have a huge hunt giveaway we've got coming up uh and some stuff that i'd like to give you a link for that uh you know we can share with with the subscribers and and whatnot here um the whiskey no rocks thing is especially now being a dad i think i've taken it more in as like my baby because my songwriting and music has already kind of it just works itself now um so I, I definitely think that I, I enjoy music more than anything in the world, but starting this brand and taking it to the next level and watching it succeed is, is what I could imagine on is one one millionth of what it's like to watch your child grow up, you know, <laughs> or, yeah. or whatever. Um, so yeah, man, we're just, uh, I burn it at, at both ends and, and run, 14 hours a day, every day, seven days a week. And just kind of, it's what, uh, what I live to do, I guess you could say. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Now you're, now you're baby girl. Yes. So by all of that, what consumed me for so long and it, it still does in a, in a certain way, but everybody, I, I always bring this up because so many people try to tell you how you're going to feel or, or how, how they can't explain how you're going to feel or what you should do and all these different things as, you know, because when you look at somebody, somebody's looking from the outside in that doesn't really know me as a person. They just see, oh, he's this musician and he's got this crazy lifestyle and this is about to blow his world, you know, like, and it did. Don't get me wrong. It, it blew my world, but it's, I was ready for it. I, I wanted it more than I ever really thought that I did, I guess. Mm -hmm. And it was that, you know, I got me and Kels leading into the pregnancy um, or leading up to her being born through the pregnancy. It's tough when everybody's like, how many times do you hear, you better get your sleep now because it's all going to go away. And you're like, Yes ma'am, I understand that you are the 40th person to tell me in the past two days. Thank you very much. You know? And it's like all those things. And I was like, man, I get it. She's pregnant. Okay. This like, let's just have the baby. And then it happens. And for me, it wasn't real. And like, it was real, everything coming up to it, but that baby was inside of Kelsey. So it was always real for her. She could always feel it differently than I could feel it. Or her hormones were telling her one thing and her body was saying another. And it's like, well, yeah, I can feel it, but I can't, you know, there was, there's something there. Yeah. Just, I'm a, I got to see it to believe it type thing. And man, when she came out, I, the whole, without getting too deep into it or whatever, we had to do an emergency C-section and uh, which, which caused us to be in the NICU for three days and, uh, just basic, you know, nothing too crazy. And uh, it was the scariest, happiest moment of my entire life. For sure. That's awesome. That's you know, awesome. just watching, I was, <laughs> this goes to show you how terrible I am at 
understanding pregnancy. Uh, when I got in there and they asked, they're like, all right, we're going to go ahead and start pushing dad. If you want to hold her, I have an extremely weak stomach. And I have expressed this <laughs> to every single person in that building. And they're like, okay, hold her, hold her leg. And no, 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 we're going to start pushing. I was like, not with me in this room. You're not. <laughs> no. I was like, I, I can't do that. She's like, no, it's, she's just been induced. So we're trying to get it going, you know, whatever. And then there were just complications and, and watching after, you know, I think like two and a half hours of her pushing. Um, and then we went into that. It was that, that scary moment where, you know, you, you think that you have found the measure of how the way that you feel about your significant other and that baby that is soon to be there. Right. And we were not married at the time. We got, a, we had, <laughs> I proposed to her, um, in March and we found out we were pregnant in August. <laughs> and so it was like, well, we were, we we're going through it. We were already planning on it, but it was, it was a, a moment that brings you even closer together. You know, even though you think that you're, Oh, I'm in love with her. This is what we do and whatnot. And then it just kind of, I don't know, you feel you have different feelings and then something dramatic or, um, know what the word is that i'm looking uh traumatic i guess uh of watching that not knowing if she's going to be okay or knowing right. if the baby's going to be okay and i'm a i'm a uh emotional person i guess you could say in general so i was in tears just freaking out <laughs> but uh it it was a it was an incredible thing man and now every day just getting to wake up and you know, go in there. I wake her up in the mornings. I do the morning stuff and uh, take her to daycare. And it's every little thing that changes with her every single day is incredible. Like as, as an overall experience, as understanding who she's starting to grow into and also getting to do that with Kelsey and, you know, kind of go through the tough stuff with mm -hmm. it too. You know, the, Oh, I think we should do this. Well, I think we should do this and, and try not to, you know, worry about, you know, every, who's right. right and just, and doing what is best for, for our family, which is a lot easier to say than like, you know, I'm just sitting here talking about it and you're a dad, you know that. And I, I don't have a ton of friends that are dads. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's like, uh, I have a lot that are about to become now or have just become since I have. And I'm like, Ooh, yeah, let me, let me walk you through this. Cause then nobody give me any of this or, right. you know, uh, the things they don't tell you about pregnancy. So it's, it's been incredible. And, um, you know, every day something new happens and we're just trying to do the best we can and make sure that, make sure I keep her alive and <laughs> just, keep it going, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, that's cool. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot you touched on there, but uh, something that uh, you were talking about earlier is like, you can never, I've said this many times, but you can never explain to someone who is not a dad, what it's like to be a dad. And you kind of yeah. touched on it, how you didn't really understand it until you had to, I mean, you had to see it to believe it. And then once she was born, it's just that whole change of emotions that happens, that connection, that love connection that happens between you and a baby or you and, you know, you, in your case, you and your daughter. Um, it's just something that just cannot be explained to some of the friends that you have that aren't dads. Um, so that's awesome. The, you know, as far as the, you know, having scary moments, I have, you know, as you know, I have two boys, they're both older, 23 and 20. And um, I had issues, my wife and I had issues with both of our boys. My younger son was born six and a half weeks early he was on essentially what they call a life uh, off, oscillator, but just essentially a life support for uh, a baby. And he was, yeah. in the, he was in the NICU for um, six weeks and oh, wow. uh, he was, he was, uh, yeah. I mean, he had everything hooked up to him. We couldn't hold him for a while. Um, so that was a scary time for my wife and I to go through, to have him sitting there, you know, being in there for, for that long of a period and, and going through the stuff he was going because he was so premature. Uh, but you know, now he's, 
you know, he's healthy and he's been healthy his whole life. He's six, three. I mean, he's just, he's just a, uh, yeah. So he's a bit, he's a big kid. Yeah. And then, you know, my younger son, when he was born, it was kind of the opposite thing. He was two and a half weeks early, but he was, you know, my younger son, my older son was like, uh, I think a little over five pounds. So he was, you know, almost six pounds when he was born. But, yeah. um, my old, my younger son was two and a half weeks early, but he was 10 pounds. So he was a big oh, wow. baby. Um, but when we had him, um, my wife was in recovery and she started hemorrhaging. Um, she had had, she had, uh, obviously a C-section. She started hemorrhaging to where she essentially passed out. Uh, and she lost enough blood for two people and Man. they had to wheel her out of there and take her to the ICU. And I remember they kicked me out of the room and I remember all the nurses and, and people around her wheeling her out and her doctor was on top of like on the bed, on top of her hooking oh, things wow. up to her. So that's the image I saw when they were coming out of the room and they were rushing off to ICU. And then my wife was in ICU for two and a half weeks. Um, so she ended up, um, she lost a lot of blood. She was, uh, she put, they had to put her in a medically induced coma. So all these different things happened to her. And here I am with a brand new baby who's perfectly healthy you know, that I wanted to give my attention to, but I was so worried about my wife that I had to kind of keep an eye on both of them, you know? Um, yeah. So I had, you know, I had very similar, you know, experiences as far as dealing with trauma when your baby's born. Um, but luckily, you know, my, my wife is fine. Um, she recovered quickly and uh, you know, she's been fine. And my, my younger son, he's, he's six, three as well. And they both tower over me. They're all, they're all good. So um but that's cool. I wanted to ask you though, um, you know, a couple of things, you know, I've, I've done a little bit of, you know, looking you up and all that kind of stuff and, and looking at some of your, some of your music. Um, you have some great music out there. Um, and sure. one of the, one of the songs that really touched me that I want to kind of touch on um, is based on a, a good friend of yours. Um, being a military guy myself, I spent four years in the Marine Corps. Um, this one really, really uh, hit home for me, um, but it's a song called Drinking Left to Do. And uh, I saw the video, um, it's an amazing video, but your good friend, Weston Lee, can you talk uh, uh, just a couple minutes about him and, and what kind of uh, impact that song had on not only you, but why you did it? Yeah. Um, so Weston, uh, he, he was an army paratrooper and uh, army ranger. And he, uh, you know, that <laughs> he passed away April 29th of 2017. Um, and it's the easiest way for me to get emotions out is it as being a songwriter is to write and, and to get it out there into the world. But I was actually in Dubuque, Iowa, the morning I found out, um, I don't know why this keeps changing the lights there. Um, and I had just played a show at a, a big casino down there and, I saw a Facebook post, um, one of our buddies, Parker, uh, put it through. And obviously, you know, that doesn't really seem real, it, especially when, you know, I went to sleep at 530 in the morning and this is 730 in the morning. So I've been asleep for two hours. I just kind of woke up and looked at it. And I don't remember this, but apparently I went into kind of like shock, I guess. Um, and I actually threw my phone through the drywall of the hotel room. Um, just, I, I can't explain it. You know, I guess it was just, so, uh, I freaked out about it and whatnot. And, but I drove in silence about 14 hours all the way back to Nashville that, that next morning off two hours of sleep. Um, and when I got there, I just, all I did for those 14 hours was thinking about what we did growing up together and, the good stuff and just trying to outweigh what I was feeling, you know, in that, in that moment. And man, Weston, he loved my music. He would, he used to come to shows all the time. And even when I was awful, you know, when I first started and was playing Mexican restaurants and in my college town and stuff, he would, he would always come and, you know, any chance to go out and with the boys and watch me play and, and, you know, have some drinks. And, and that's, that's one thing that we really enjoyed doing was going to different bars and stuff together and, 
meet new people. And so I got the, the chance to, to, to speak to his family um, shortly after. And then I also, um, I, I unfortunately missed his service at Arlington uh, due to my <laughs> car would not start. Uh, I was in, I was in the peak of the about that was 2017. I, I said that earlier is when I got the phone call about, um, about the, the, the song making it to radio. So I was at the lowest point. I didn't have money. I didn't even think I had the money to pay for gas, honestly, to get there. But I was like, screw it. I'll put it on a credit card or I'll do whatever. And my car wouldn't start that day. And, uh, after speaking to his family and whatnot, I, I was like, you know what? I really want to write this song, but I really have to go see him first. That before I can take it to where I want to go, I have to go to Arlington. And another one of those freaky, wow, where did that come from? How did it happen moments? And they came in and said, I got a phone call. I was like, hey, we want to book you a show in Washington, D.C. And I'm like, okay, perfect. Arlington's right there, you know, like, and I was like, dude, appreciate you, man. You know, like I'm going to get to come see you. And I went over there, did that, came back at a writing session like three weeks later. And I sat down, I told my buddies, I was like, I don't know if you're in the mood for this, but uh, I am. So either we're going to write it together or I'm going to go home and write it. <laughs> like I'm, I'm just kind of feeling it and both in uh, AJ and Vinny were both like, no, absolutely. Let's go. And we wrote the song in about an hour and a half. Um, I played it out. It's obviously a really personal song for me. Um, and I wanted to release it, although I knew it wasn't going to do well for me. Those types of songs, typically the songs that means the most to you do not have the least success. Nine really? times out of 10, unless you're, Unless you're already, you've already put out your barefoot blue jean night or your whatever party song they got you, you know, noticed. Um, and so I, I put the song out and uh, the guy that helped me start Whiskey No Rocks is a guy named Jake Myers, who owns Red, White, Blue Apparel. Huge, uh, huge, huge uh, apparel and hat company, obviously very driven uh, towards you know, second amendment and back in the military and stuff like that. And the time he was investing in my music and he goes, man, I want to, I want to pay for this. I want to put together a video. I want to get a marketing team behind it. I want to do all this stuff. Well, we hired a guy that worked in the movie industry. He worked for uh, on a bunch of films and fast and the furious and stuff like that. Well, he'd always been a camera guy, but we didn't know that the editing <laughs> wasn't really going to be, uh, what we were looking for because we were hoping to shoot a, a, a big music video um, and we did I mean we had paid actors and stuff like that that just sat in the background as extras and uh, we shut down a bar for it uh, we shot it up in right outside of Cleveland in Lakeland Ohio um, and and it was a really cool thing but just the fact that I was able to get that song out there helped me a lot mm. uh, personally and you know, to this day, me and Jake always say like, wow, we did that music video, you know, like we did that without a record label or without some crazy fancy crew. And we didn't do it to be become famous. We did it because it was something that, that I just really felt strongly about. And I really hope that it would have an impact on somebody. But what I wasn't expecting was to wake up over the next month with hundreds of messages from people who had lost their sons, their daughters, their husbands, their wives, their aunts, uncles, whatever it may have been. Um, and uh, I actually had a police officer, uh, a canine unit, reach out to me. And he was like, I know this is going to sound really stupid and I hope you don't judge me for it. But uh, my, my partner, his dog, his canine was killed in the line of duty in, uh, in, uh, Long Island, I think. I can't remember. I'd have to look at it. And he was like, I think, you know, that was my best friend for 10 years. And wow. I and I think about that and I'm like, it doesn't matter. You shouldn't apologize. It doesn't matter if that song makes you think of 
just your grandpa and he right. wasn't in the military. You know what I mean? It's just something to let you release a little bit of your sorrow or whatever you're holding. And it, that's, that's what that song became to me. And it, it doesn't have billions of streams or anything like that, but the way that people contacted me and expressed their emotions and what it made them feel to me, that song is beyond successful on every single level. You know, it, it wasn't about the streams or the money. So uh, I'm, I'm glad that you enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, first of all, thank you for your, thank you for your service. I didn't yeah. Even... I, well, I appreciate that. Um, and you know, obviously, uh, I appreciate your friend, um, you know, taking that, taking that step as well. I mean, it's a huge step and a huge risk, but I'm sorry that, that, um, that you lost him, but the fact that you did this kind of, uh, song dedicated really to him and his memory, uh, is amazing. And for those of you that haven't, um, uh, seen this video, uh, it's really touching. So I highly, highly encourage you guys to go check it out. It's really an amazing, amazing video, well put together and just a, just a really good song. So, um, congratulations on it. And, um, kind of, uh, kind of touching base on who you are as a dad. I I mean, I want to know about your, your upbringing, How, how, what, what kind of things did you learn from your parents? Uh, as uh, being parents that, you know, maybe you want to take into your role as a dad, or maybe there's things that you learned from them that probably are not going to work for you as a dad. And you want to kind of change it. What kind of, what kind of uh, upbringing and how, how does that all play out as you as a dad now? Well, you know, I, I briefly mentioned uh, my dad was, uh, my dad was in the Navy mm-hmm. um, for six years. And um so that was, he went to the military because they found out they were pregnant with me. My parents were 18, 19 years old. Uh, you know, my, my dad is a huge influence on my life. He, you know, he went to like the first week of 10th grade, I think dropped out, um, worked job after job after job. And then, you know, with me, obviously his dad was in the military, swore him in. He went into the Navy, took things there and, you know, did what he had to do. And now my dad is one of the most successful people I've ever, you know, I've ever met. Um, so I think the, the biggest thing in being in that type of situation where one parent is in and out, you know, because they have to be not because they choose to be. And the other is, I guess, static and is just constantly doing things that the way they need to do it. I can't imagine having to do that. And, and I, I really hope that I did see how much that put stress on my mom and, you know, she was trying to finish school and do all those types of things. And, um, especially being 18, 19, I can't imagine if I was 19 years old right now, but what I was doing at 19 years old does not match up for what you see behind me here or, you know, anything like that. I was probably eating tuna fish out of a can and drinking 24 Bud Lights a day, you know? <laughs> um, so it, it, it was, it was, it's totally different. However, I think it's kind of the same because as I transition into this next level of my career, there are, there are going to be times where I'm not going to be present for everything. And, you know, my mom always jokes about my dad being gone or he wasn't me and my dad aren't affectionate. You know, we're not, Hey, I love you, son. or I'm proud of you. It was always just like, all right, good job. You know, or whatever. He'd coach me in baseball. So we have, we, we have a coach type, more of a friend relationship than a dad and son. Um, but I ask him for everything, you know, anything that I need, how to, first time restringing a weed eater, you know, when you're 16, 17, Hey, come out here, show me how to do it or, you know, whatever. And to me now it's not, I'm not doing it. I I was scared how I was going to be as a dad because I wasn't really sure if I was going to be emotionally attached or if I was just going to be that consumed by my work, gone, 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 gone. And so that's why I kind of jumped on board with uh, me getting up early in the morning thing, because that's something that I learned that I wanted to be from something he wasn't able to be. 
I guess. And so in some way that answers your question there, but, um, you know, I, I just, I take every, every chance that I can in the mornings or whatever to, to be with her and spend more time. And just because it's going to go quick. And that's another one of those things that everybody keeps saying, but I, I definitely think that the way that I was brought up is more towards when I was in the South, the, the 10 years on has it kind of implanted this totally different type of fathering that I expected myself to do. And it just, I let it come out naturally and I I'm in, I'm enjoying every second of it instead of, I think more or less being like, okay, we got to do this. You know, it's like, you don't have a choice. Well, now it's like, I'm happy to go in there in the morning and and see her smile as soon as she wakes up and, you know, stuff like that. So that's, I know that's, I circled all around your question, but in, in some way, shape or form, I, I would say that just being not only present, but present and involved mm-hmm. even at the early stage because right now i, I don't know what i'm got how i'm gonna be when she's 12 right you know <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you i mean i, I don't she may tell me to screw off from <laughs> from 10 until she's 17 for all i know you know but i know that right now those that and the the nurturing that i got from my mother of uh of constantly just the reassurance. Hey, I love you. Hey, you know, I'm like, I know she can't talk and I call her monkey. And that's, that's like my thing. And, and me and Kelsey talk all the time. We're like, we got to start calling her by her name. <laughs> <laughs> I, I call her monkey nonstop. She calls her mama. I'm like, okay, well, what do you think her first words are going to be? It's going to be mama because right. you're, you're like, good morning, mama. I'm like, Oh God. <laughs> Um, or monkey. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So you come out climbing out of everything. Um, but right now, I'd, I'm just, I think that uh, what I inherited, if you will, is just, yeah, just wanting to make sure that I don't miss anything if I can help it. You know, I, I don't ever want it to be like, oh, well, you were, you know, it was a Sunday and Sundays are our family days. And that's something that I didn't have growing up. Um, was specific time. And that's something that we do every single week, no matter what, even if it's just one thing, we, the one thing that we do, no matter what is go out to eat for breakfast, brunch, dinner, whatever we do. And then at the very least it's that if we do anything else, even if we come back to the house and we're just hanging out here, it's spending quality time because I know there's going to be a point where I'm not going to be able to be here. And that's just, a really crappy feeling. And I think that not knowing if my parents did feel that way at 18 or 19 and being like, were they just really trying to be like, somebody take this kid and I, <laughs> I want to go. And it's like, maybe so. I don't know. I was too young, but I know that they missed out on a lot and I'm okay with missing out on other things outside of this, at this point in my life. And in order to trade them out for, moments that I'll never be able to get back. So, so Nick, you know, kind of going back to what your, how your parents raised you and all that, as far as, um, you know, your mom was more the affectionate one. Your dad was, um, kind of out of the picture a little bit. Um, obviously he coached you. I coached both my boys, uh, all through, all through when they grew up four years old, all the way up through high school. I was a high school varsity basketball coach. Um, so, uh, I coached them for many, many years. That was really our connection. And I saw that as an opportunity to really develop my bond with them. So, I mean, if you have an opportunity, your daughter wants to play softball or, you know, whatever it is she wants to do, um, obviously be as involved as you can, but on the flip side of things, I wanted to ask you this because you have a, you have a music career that's really taking off. And I know you kind of touched on it. Like you're going to, there's going to be times where you're gone. Um, yeah. how are you going to, how are you going to be able to find that balance between family time and, you know, maybe times that you're on the road? I, I think the, the, we tried to figure out a plan already before, before this really starts getting rolling. And, um, because without, uh, I mean, legally being able to say 
specifically what's happening. We, I do have some, uh, some really big things going in the background, uh, and, and it's caused us to get that very question come up while we're sitting on the couch here in the studio or, or whatever. And I think the most important part is finding out most everything will be on a schedule, mm-hmm. you know, so I can come through and it's just making the time no matter what it is. And I think that, you know, right now, that's only a Sunday all day thing. Well, guess what? Sundays might be gone and I might be in town Monday and Tuesday only for, but I'm in the studio on Monday during the day and Tuesday, whatever. So I think our biggest thing that we kind of came across was just to make sure that we make it happen. You know, if I know that I only have three hours, don't leave the studio and go, with the guys to celebrate with a beer, you know what I mean? Go home, spend time with her. That that's a things that can, the things that can be done in other times. I'm going to, I'm going to know those guys forever. Those guys are, yeah, they're going to get older <laughs> like she is, but it's, I don't, I don't care what they do in the next 10 years of your, their life, you know? So I think just making it a priority is, is the bit is the first step. And then from there, it's really, you know, I, I don't know what level this is going to get for me. You know, I, I don't know if, is it going to be, oh, you're gone once every now and then, or are you gone five days a week um, and, and whatnot. So we haven't really made a plan for that level of, um, of me not being present. Um, but I also want for my wife and daughter to, you know, I, I told her, I was like, we are, are luckily blessed enough to be in a, a financial situation where I can buy you guys a plane ticket to, to come to wherever I'm at that weekend right. or, you know, put you up in a hotel or, you know, stay at the Airbnb with us or whatever it is. Um, I just want them to be involved and I want to be involved in some aspect. Um, so I can't really give one specific answer for that. Just kind of, I just know what we've been, we've been more or less prepping for it, I guess mm-hmm. you could say, than they're really coming up with it or locking in a solid plan for the future and more so about what's happening in the near future in the next year or so. Yeah. I think it, you know, it comes down to something that I refer to as non-negotiable. So I have things in my life that are just non-negotiables. They are set. I don't, I don't waver from them. It doesn't matter what comes up. Those things are non-negotiable to me. I will make sure that I am uh, actively taking care of it. So as far as you go, I think it's kind of the same thing. You have non-negotiables in your life right now when it comes to you know, being in the studio. Um, you know you have to get this song recorded. Uh, you know you have this commitment to show up at this, you know, club or bar or whatever it is that you're going to be playing. You know you have to be there. So that's a non-negotiable. It same has to apply for you and your wife when it comes to family time. And not only that, I'll take it a step further, Nick. Not only that, but you have to have non-negotiables for you and your wife. Time together for the two of you to really make sure your bond is still strong because the child, believe it or not, the child, as much as you both love her and you both are, you all are going to be, you know, a a great family together. The child's going to kind of pull you guys apart and you want to make sure that you remain connected and have that bond uh, in place. So the time that you find for you personally, and then you and your wife, and then you and your family, those have to be your non-negotiables, Nick, because if, if they're not, then you're going to see that side of it start to slip. And if it starts to slip, that's when um, things can really happen as far as affecting your relationships, not only with your daughter, but with your wife as well. Um, the reason sure. I bring up non-negotiable for you is because if you're not taking care of Nick, if Nick isn't taking care of Nick, uh, you're not going to be able to give hundred percent to not only your band, but also your wife and your daughter. So you need for to make sure. sure you're taking time for yourself. It's just a little bit of advice for me as a, a, you know, what I call a veteran dad to a brand new dad, a brand new husband. Um, so just keep that stuff in mind. Scheduling is super important. Obviously, you know how to schedule. 
you schedule things for your music and all that kind of stuff, but you need to keep that schedule together for your family as well. My wife and I do that. We run through our schedule every Sunday. Sunday evenings is kind of our time to go, what do you got going on this week? What do I have going on this week? And we kind of make sure it all kind of connects. So we still have time together um, and time with the family. So yeah, just a bit of advice. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's great. Yeah. I think that's, that's one little thing too, that we're, we do something very similar to that. And just because, you know, and there's plenty of times where I've got too much going on. I'll forget about it. Like we were, I was actually supposed to uh, have a uh, video shoot for the, uh, for my clothing and hat company this morning. Uh, and I realized that some of the people that were supposed to be involved in it, I hadn't even hadn't heard back from them. We ended up having to cancel it last second. But she's like, what are you talking about? What did you have this morning? And I'm like, oh, I had that. Well, then I didn't tell her about this because I planned on taking this from the location that we were shooting the video. And so then I came in here. She works from home. Her office is on the other side of the studio here. And so I'm like, hey, uh, I know I didn't tell you, but I also have a podcast. She's like, I have a meeting at 10 o'clock too. What are we going to So she ran upstairs. And um, I, I think that that's just being on the same page, not just within, you know, what's the child eating when she goes to the bathroom, like all those types of things, but also just in life in general is just as important um, to, to make sure that we're on the same page. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, I did want to talk, touch on though, um, as far as um, the support, the system that you have, moms typically when, uh, when they have a, they have a child, moms have a lot of outside support, whether it's family or friends, uh, for whatever reason, moms tend to connect with other moms and the support window really opens up for moms. For dads, it's not so much. Dads don't really have that kind of that support system out there other than maybe some family. Um, what, and you actually admitted that you have, you have friends that aren't dads. Um, what, what kind of support do you need as a dad from other dads? Well, I'll be honest in the very beginning, um, you know, through everything, you know, the constant phone calls, text messages, direct messages, comments, whatever it may be in that week, that month from having her, right. The first, the initial week or month. Uh, of her entering the world, it is. It's a lot of how's Kelsey, right. how's the baby, how's Kelsey's mental health, how's her physical health, how's the baby's physical health, all those things. And it's like they def like. I know that anybody listening to this podcast, if they are a dad or a husband, then they understand that it is nothing comparable of what we go through that they go through. Right. Not even comparable right. at all. It's just something different that that myself and anybody else that's a new father goes through that you don't understand and you feel ways that you don't really think that you're capable of feeling or you get overwhelmed a lot easier than you used to or whatever it may be. The statement of there's just not as big of a support window is about the truest statement that you could possibly make because it is. You don't you're we're supposed to be strong for them we're mm -hmm. supposed to be the ones that are saying it's going to be okay you're fine you know it's it's all those things and i think that there's this stereotype or whatever you want to call it that a man can't feel a certain way or that he can't talk about how he feels and i'm i'm saying these things being a guy that has felt that way his whole life you know and and not being able to necessarily, I'm not the best at communicating with anybody. You know, I'm, my life literally goes, 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 goes. And I think the one thing in my life that I kind of skipped on was communicating the proper way of when I'm upset compared to when I'm mad, you know, instead of it all kind of being the same outlet, and Kelsey has actually helped me a lot with that um, and, and talked to me through, you know, postpartum and, you know, all that type of stuff. But being able to find, and I did make it a point to find somebody to just say, did you go through this? You know, 
was it like this when you guys had a kid? Dude, you have four. How did you get that? You know what I mean? And so it definitely, it was tough. And, you know, I, I get down on all the time for no reason. You know, it's just kind of, that's life, you know, and it's, it's more or less something that I think um, it just needs to be like what you said, a non-negotiable for you to try to figure out how you're going to find that support. Right. Because it's not, I mean, you could Google it. Yeah, I guess, but it's not like <laughs> you're not that, that nurse isn't walking in with a pamphlet going, dad, this is for you. Right. You know, or uh, much less besides the fact that I'd never fed a baby with a bottle, change a diaper. No, and now all the things that I absolutely love, you right. know? So uh, I think that just being able to, make yourself aware of the fact that you don't have to be, it's okay to lose your shit every now and then, excuse my language, you know, just go out, separate yourself, decompress, you know, do whatever you need to do. And then at the same time, either know it's okay to talk to your partner or to, to seek externally um, uh, just a little bit of, of support or somebody to talk to. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's perfect. Uh, I understand what you're saying and, um, I'm going to take it a step further. It's something that, uh, would be important for you and your wife, um, is a marriage coach. Um, it's something that, uh, it doesn't take a lot of effort. Uh, my wife and I have been seeing a marriage coach for years, uh, and it's just, she's a licensed therapist, but, um, we don't see her. So because we have problems, we see her. So we don't have problems. And she yeah. kind of, you know, we talk about different things. Um, and we only see her every couple months or so just, uh, once just to kind of check in and see how we're doing as a couple. Uh, but if you guys have an opportunity, you can even do it via zoom with, with a therapist and just talk about things, uh, in your marriage and how things are going and just kind of, I call her our marriage coach because that's essentially what she is. So, um, she helps keep us in check with each other. And she's really helped us uh, over the last couple of years. She's really helped us um, kind of grow even stronger with our with our bond together. So um, just something to keep in mind. Uh, but but you're right. Dads don't have that that external support system. Um, like you said, the nurse coming in and handing you a pamphlet and going, dad, this is for you. We don't have that. And we have to kind of learn trial by fire, fire right? We got to kind of be thrown into it and kind of learn things where, you know, moms do get a lot of uh, knowledge from how to be a mom and how to how to take care of a child. Um, and I think dads really don't. Um, so if there's anything that I can do for you personally, obviously you have my number. Um, you have questions or anything like that. Feel free to reach out to me. I'm, I'm always here for you, brother. Um, Absolutely. I appreciate yeah. that. Um, let me ask you this, you know, brand new dad, uh, you, you talked about, it. I don't know how I'm going to be as a dad. I don't know how she's going to treat me when she's 10 or 12. She may tell me to take a hike. Um, but what scares you most about being a dad? This world. <laughs> I agree with you there. I'm not going to run down that rabbit hole, but, um, I don't know the way that I grew up playing in the yard, you know, just like anybody that's, I would say over the age of late twenties, you know, uh, typically had a similar childhood. Um, I would say generationally or, um, but between politics and hate mm -hmm. and, you know, everything being at what, at an all time high in my eyes, in my lifetime, um, you know, I, just sending her to daycare right now was scary as hell. Right. And it's like, but she can't really be, uh, what's the word, I guess, influenced so much right now at four months old. So I don't have to worry about somebody trying to push their agenda in whatever aspect it may be or forcing her to think one way and she wants to think another or telling her she's something she's not right. or telling her it's okay to be something you're not, you know, like uh, there, 
it's just a scary time in general. I mean, for, for us, you know, COVID it's what's going to come next alligator virus. I don't know. You know, freaking is people we're going to all turn into zombies and start eating each other. I couldn't tell you, but um, just not being able to always, not that I want to control her, but protect her. I guess you could say is that, that's going to be those things where I'm like, I remember being like, mom, chill out. I'm 16 years old. Get off right. of me. Right. You know? And it's like, well, that's the first time you're able to leave her on your own free will without asking or, you know, doing whatever. And it's like, now to understand what that feeling is, it's like, okay, I probably shouldn't have been so bratty and, you know, yeah. whatever about it. Um, but that, it does. It, it scares the hell out of me to see. I don't know. Are they even going to have public school systems? You know, by the time she's in high school, there. I couldn't tell you. There's there's just so much uncertainty and yeah. hate in the world right now that it's 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 dangerous for for a person that can take care of themselves, and then you implement a child that that can't, and it just kind of makes me nervous for sure. Yeah, I think it's going to come down to um, the relationship that you and your wife have with your daughter. Um, I believe that a lot of the um, the values that our children have uh, derive from who they are as kids in the home. Uh, if your daughter knows that your home is a safe space for her, and she also understands that you and your wife are there to listen to her, uh, let her speak her mind if something's bothering her, uh, those kind of things will help build her character and who she is as a person. And if that is built strong from the age of where she's at now to when she does hit those teenage years and she can be influenced by others, if it's strong enough uh, in that time frame to where she does get, get around people that can influence her, I don't think they're going to have be able to penetrate that armor. Do you know what I mean? I don't yeah. think they're going to have that that much of an influence as long as the values and the things that you're teaching your daughter and the connections and the love that you and your wife have for your daughter is so strong. It's going to be uh, impenetrable. So it, it's going to be an armor that that no one's going to be able to get through. However, on the flip side, you're right. The outside influences and the things that are going on in the world are dangerous. They're dangerous for us as adults, let alone our, our kids. I worry about my two boys. They're old enough and function just fine on their own. But still, you know, my my younger son just left to go golfing. I don't know what's going to happen when he's out golfing. But I, you know, I know that he knows right from wrong, and I know that he has a good understanding of how to take care of himself. Um, but I still have those worries. You're going to always have those worries. So that kind of stuff's always going to happen. But my whole point is that the values that you have within the home and the love and the bond and the communication that you develop with your daughter as she gets older. And this is for your wife too, um, will help strengthen, um, just help strengthen that armor to protect her when she isn't around you a hundred percent of the time. So just something to, uh, to keep in mind. Absolutely. Let me ask you this. If my listeners wanted to look you up, learn a little bit more about you, um, check out some of your music, maybe get some of the merch. Um, best places for them to do that? Uh, oh, it's Instagram. I have a pretty decent presence on there for everything that I do. So my personal account is uh, at Nick Alleygood. has a little blue check mark on there. Um, my clothing Instagram is Whiskey No Rocks. And my Blackout band that I play downtown is at Blackout Nash on Instagram. Uh, the hats, the clothes, all that good stuff. Um, WhiskeyNoRocks.com. Uh, I will plug a little, kind of give an exclusive here for the Dad Up um, podcast. We are about to launch the biggest giveaway I've ever done. Um, I'm doing giving away a, a $3,000 two-man archery hunt in Boonville, Kentucky uh, from Deer River, uh, Red River Deer Camp, <laughs> um, uh, as well as a, a Yeti cooler, a bunch of deer jacker. Uh, rat jacker and um, some other feeds and stuff like that. And that's going to launch in like two weeks. So you guys want to go check it out, go ahead and figure out something that you like, because all you got to do to enter in is just purchase something off of there and uh, make sure you give us a follow. And uh, of course, always follow dad, 
dad up on everything they got going on, podcasts, Instagram, and all that good stuff. Awesome. Uh, we'll make sure we'll put that in the show notes for sure. Um, but um, uh, Nick, listen, you know, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you got a busy schedule, so I'll let you get back to it. But I appreciate you taking the time. I'm glad that we've had a chance to connect. Um, I'm glad that you and I are, are friends and I look forward to staying in touch with you. And as I said earlier, if you have any questions about parenting and all that kind of stuff, you know, you can come to me. Uh, I'll give you the best sure. answer I can give you. And uh, if I can't give you an answer, I'll find it for you. You know, so um, I, I appreciate you being on, though, brother. I really do. Thank you, Brian. I really appreciate it. This has been another episode of Dad Up, everyone. Uh, make sure you guys are checking out what Nick Alligood is doing. Uh, he and his band, check out his merch. And then if you're interested in what he's doing as far as um, the giveaway goes, stay tuned for that. All the, all the, no, all the links will be in my show notes. But I uh, appreciate Nick for being on the show. And I look forward to seeing you all on the next episode of Dad Up. Thanks so much for listening to the episode. Make sure you guys subscribe to my podcast and YouTube channel. And please do me a favor, leave a rating and a review. Would love to hear from you and see what you think of the show. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes each week. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Data Podcast. Podcast.